0: Welcome to Water from the Well, a work of the Church of Christ in Santa Clara. Hello and welcome to Water from the Well. Again, we're having another episode of Saints at the Round Table. And uh, I'm joined by Zach McGinnis and Paul Watson. Good evening, brothers. Hello. So we're going to continue with our reading of uh, the book of James. And tonight we're going to do chapter 2. We're going to start uh, reading verses 1 through 7, and um, Zach, if you could read that for us.
1: Sure thing. James chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say... You sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, You stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable? the honorable name by which you were called.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, Paul, I'll ask you to uh, to start with uh, some commentary on this.
2: Yeah. Um, so we've transitioned uh, from uh, the idea of true religion uh, is uh, visiting orphans and widows, and we, we transition uh, kind of hard to uh, showing no partiality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you might initially think, you know, what's the connection? But it's, you know, the, the idea here is uh, the Christian is to have a mind for uh, the orphan, the widow, essentially the person that can't fend for themselves. Right. Uh, and then the next thought is, okay, so you're in your assembly, and uh, you have two, two men come in. One is, you know, dressed very finely and is, mm-hmm. you know, very apparently wealthy. And the other person is clearly some kind of vagrant. They're in very, you know, uh, shabby clothing. They look like they just kind of rolled in out of the gutter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you treat the, the rich man preferentially. You you, you have uh, displayed the fact that you don't actually love your neighbor as yourself. You know mm-hmm. not There's something wrong with the way that you do your mm-hmm. fellow man.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting because uh, there's some. I think there's some traps in here for us on this one. Yeah. Just because you know human nature, when we see people come in, you know, if they look kind of shady, we have a tendency to avoid them. and I used to yeah. I used to worship at a Civic Center in San Francisco, and so we had all types come in, and part of what comes into there too is just like responsibility. Like, a, um, uh, we used to have some kids that we took to worship with us. And yet, you know, there were some homeless people that would come and and worship with us. And so I would offer to give the homeless person a ride to a shelter Mm -hmm. afterward. But then i have the kids with me. And I remember one time that I was dropping them off at the shelter with the kids in the backseat, and there was gunfire in the street behind us. So I felt like, wow, you know, should I really have been taking the kids around? (laughs) But I was just trying to do my duty as a Christian, so there's some responsibility in there that I was trying to fulfill But there's another responsibility of trying to take care of the kids, you know, and I think just in general, when people come into worship, uh, we have to fight against that that instinct to sort of stay away from those that look dangerous, you know, and and that type of thing. But I think these verses are are clearly instructing us, you know, to to do the best we can to approach everyone.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you brought that to light. You you made the point that, that... this actually has a lot of implications and it can go a different, a lot of different directions. Now, I can't say myself that I'm guilty of of looking at someone and assessing that they have material wealth and then being like, "Oh, I'm going to give you preferential treatment," right? Right. right. I, I can't say that I've done that, but I guarantee you, if Michael Jordan or Peyton Manning or yeah. any number of sure. like well-known iconic people yeah, yeah. walk through the church doors, I'm pretty sure I would find myself at least being tempted you to show them everyone. honor yeah, and be yeah. like, ah, oh, come sit by me, you know, yeah. and let me explain everything to you and how we do everything here. And right. and let me take you to lunch after. and, yeah. and Let me baptize right, you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Sign me up for that, right? <laughs> and, uh, and where as an average Joe walking in the street or, or Mary Sue or whoever, yeah. I, I don't know where I got that name from, but <laughs> no, um, just an average person that walks in off the street, I wouldn't go out of my way to... To do that for yeah. them, right? And, yeah. And so there, there is something to be said for that, and maybe, maybe one of the ways where this does apply to me is where I find myself. After services, often going to people that I'm I'm comfortable being around or that I'm very mm-hmm. familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, closer friends and spending the bulk of my time after services with them right. and giving them preferential treatment, going to lunch with them more often than I am people that I don't know as well. Yeah, yeah. and that's a that's a dangerous game to play as as well, you know, right. because if, if that's me showing partiality to people that I like. Right. And um, just because maybe maybe we don't see eye-to-eye other people, that doesn't mean I, I shouldn't spend time with them or even try and get to know them yeah. you know, at a closer level.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think we're all guilty of that. Well, and so the, uh, part of this verse, too, I think, is that um, there's this idea of being judges with evil intents, right? And that God has chosen mm-hmm. the poor uh, in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom, the idea there isn't just that we're uh, not giving preferential treatment uh, to the wealthy, but it's actually that no uh, poor people specifically are actually quite valuable to God because they tend to see, uh, right. I think the verse implies, spiritual realities that aren't yeah. very clear to people who uh, accumulate a lot of worldly things. Right. And then he goes on, to, uh, part of this also has to do, I think, with who we're seeking approval of, right? Because
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he goes
2: on to say... Uh, these rich people are the same ones who are oppressing you. And at the time, uh, uh, he's not going on a screed against rich people in in principle, Mm -hmm. but there's specifically this note in verse 7 where he says, are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by Mm -hmm. which you were called? So specifically opposition to Christianity in the name of Christ, it seems like was coming from a small fraction of people in the wealthy Politically powerful upper class, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so James is saying, don't worry about pleasing those people. Those people well, are going to hate you no matter what, basically, yeah, yeah. is what he's saying. Uh, instead, pay attention to the people that nobody else is paying attention
0: mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and and we have to do the same thing today. There are lots of people that um, that may wander into our assemblies or that we may come into contact with in one way or another mm-hmm. that um, that don't know anything about Jesus, Uh, And nobody's going to tell them because they're they're not the target audience, quote unquote.
0: Right, right. You know, it's interesting because uh, you know, just as we um, as we note the the state of the churches of Christ around the world. you, you know, you get the results of of uh, some of the churches that are in these third world countries, mm-hmm. and you know, they're talking Slowly, about yeah. yeah every every week they're talking about we baptized ten and we baptized twenty or whatever and you know we're we're uh, throwing a party because we baptized two you yeah. <laughs> know yeah. and um, it's it's amazing the the difference and and the heart that the gospel really reaches the easiest and I think that's what this sort of uh, is noting too is that we have a tendency to pay attention to the rich and those that that tend to reject the gospel and and overlook those who are hungry for the gospel.
2: Yeah,
1: I, th- I think part of the reason, at least part of the reason behind that, why that is, is because it once you've achieved a certain level of, of status or accumulated a certain amount of material wealth or material possessions. You start thinking pretty highly of yourself, sure. generally speaking. I yeah. mean, it's not always the case, but you start thinking, you know, I got this covered. I don't need God necessarily. Right. I, I can take care of myself. Yeah, yeah. And you don't yeah. see that with with those um, who are poor, or, or at least from a physical perspective, not well off. You right. know. Yeah. You see them. You see them very willing to be reliant on God and look to faith for answers. And mm-hmm. Just as a general rule, I'm not saying that's always the case, but but it seems often. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, well, well, let's read on. Uh, Paul, if yeah. you could read uh, 8 through 13, please.
2: Yeah. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. If you do, no, if you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay.
0: You know, I'll speak as a father here, (laughs) just because um, this concept of just sort of, uh, you know, judge as you want to be judged has helped me a lot, because as I deal with my kids and I, you know, I tell them to do certain things and not to do certain things, and uh, as they violate various uh, aspects of that, you know, I, I always try to throw some mercy in there, and I always try to think of how I want God to look at me as I'm trying to do my best, and I, I, uh, and so, um, you know, I catch myself sometimes and I, I find myself, you know, I have allowed myself to go back to them and say, you know, I'm sorry about the way I talked to you about that. I, should have just, I shouldn't have been as harsh as I was. And, uh, and I, I tell them, you know, I'm going to try to work with you around this. right? Or, or I revisit some things and try to come up with some ideas so that we don't have so much conflict over, over certain things. And it's, it's helped a lot. I mean, I, I feel like I'm working with my kids to help them grow, and I'm also exercising mercy in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it's helped me to grow spiritually because I'm always examining that. I always think to myself, am I dealing with my kids or other people in general the way that I want God to deal with me? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it helps.
1: I definitely wish my parents had been more merciful sometimes <laughs> in my, It seems like they were awfully hard on me. Um, and not necessarily judgmental, but just, you know, very discipline-oriented on small things. But... Then if I really screwed up in a major way, um, I noticed them being a little more merciful and understanding for whatever reason and yeah. with the bigger things. And so I do appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like with those smaller <laughs> issues, it would have been nice. Yeah. Um, I, I see James making two really important points here. And and for most of, of the time hum, humans have been on the earth, it seems like we, we're hard-headed and we, we can't seem to get this through our, through our thick skulls that, number one, uh, God doesn't look at at people from at, at, he sees everyone on an even playing field. He looks at all people equally, right? He doesn't yeah. he doesn't look at someone who's who's well off, and he doesn't look at someone that is maybe an eloquent speaker or someone that's super tall or what, whatever gift they may have been given, and say this person is better than person B. You know, person A is never better than person B. We're all right. equal in God's yeah. eyes. And then the second point that he he makes, building on that, is we are all equal sinners, and so not only are we are we all sinners and we all make mistakes, we all screw up from time to time, and he's merciful to us, uh, and and forgoes judgment often with us, um, but but that no sin is is better than other sins, and so not only do we are we all equal, but we also sin equally, and then he's saying in addition to that, I guess it's three points. Um, that that no matter what sin you commit, you're still sinning. You're still you're still committing some act transgression against what I've told you, um, and that that's to me something that's hard to remember. Sometimes is just because I told a lie and someone else robbed a bank. That doesn't make me a better person <laughs> than them. And I, it's hard for me to yeah, remember yeah. that from time that's to time. That's right.
2: That's right. So this is one of the verses that I've been talking with. I'm teaching on Wednesday nights, um, the high school class, and uh, we're going through Mike's book, Inside Out. This is one of the verses that comes up, uh, that's come up recently when we're talking about the idea of, okay, uh, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the nation of Israel was under a specific Mm -hmm. law, uh, the the Mosaic Law, uh, and now under the New Covenant, uh, we are uh, under, we are in in the law of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between we talked about the distinction between being under the law and in in law, right? Yeah. Mike, yeah. the way Mike refers to it is being in law to Christ, <coughs> which mm-hmm. is a little corny for me. <laughs> That's Mike's word. No, but, uh, no, Lo- love you, Mike. Please keep employing me. Uh, uh, no, I, but I. Uh, so we, we, we've talked about this and uh, there's this idea at the end of this section, uh, he, he starts off by saying, okay, if you've done this thing that I've just described, you've mm-hmm. shown partiality, uh, you haven't, you're not actually loving your neighbor as yourself, so you've committed a sin. You're guilty of the whole law. Right. And then he explains that principle by saying, if you don't commit adultery, but you go out and murder." If you're not better than the person who commits adultery like you, mm-hmm. you, you, you're, you, you what Zach's talking about you uh, you're guilty of all by violation of yeah. one yeah uh, and so and then he transitions to this, this idea of the law of liberty which mm-hmm. is a, a, a phrase that I, I'm pretty sure is unique to James
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, and and then he explains that by saying uh, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, um, uh, judgment is by its definition merciless, unless the one who is uh, giving the judgment uh, chooses to uh, display his mercy to uh, those who he judges. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we know that as Christians, the one who will judge us in the last day is is Christ, and mm-hmm. he's the one who's displayed the ultimate mercy to us by giving himself. Yeah. Um, to provide a means for our salvation yeah um, but I, I just think it's interesting that that basically he starts out by discussing a pretty mundane way that you could find yourself in violation of the entire <laughs> old law yeah, right yeah and then he says and then he builds up to some more dramatic ways like adultery and murder mm-hmm. uh, and then he basically ends it by saying isn't it great that uh, that we're that we're free from that that we're now in the law of Christ rather than right. under the weight
0: of you know, yeah. all those commandments. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, I'll go back uh, just for a minute as a parent <laughs> to go to uh, something that Zach said earlier because um, you were talking about with your parents that you know you wish they hadn't been so harsh on sort of little stuff, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they show up and they're merciful on these big things. Yeah. Right. And, you know, just as a parent, I can share with you all that uh, there there is a feeling of that when you're dealing with your kids, that there's some little small things that just for whatever they – it lights us up because it's just kind of like you know better than that.
2: And, and well, and, I also feel like some little things you have to get after because it sets a bad precedent, right? Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's not a big deal now, but it could be a big deal down the line. It, it, it's yeah. kind
0: of like this little habitual thing. It's a, it's representative of an overall – just dealing with sort of like uh, common weaknesses and, and, and faults and things that you might fall into, which usually ha- uh, usually is involved in the bigger problems that we fall into, the parent is usually a lot more merciful in those situations. I know Marie and I have been. Our kids, I know, when they've gotten into big trouble, are surprised at how gentle we are with them and everything. and can't believe that, you know, we didn't drop the house
2: down on them. But you know what? I'm still literally. young enough to remember that feeling. Or, okay, they're not gonna literally not kill, gonna me. kill me. <laughs> right. Yeah. when you're a teenager, you think that that is a real possibility. Yeah, yeah.
0: But you know, if you think about it, you think about how the Lord dealt with Nadab and Abihu gone. You mm, right. know, over something that seemed like it maybe it shouldn't have been such a big deal, but it was just kind of so careless and just uh, disrespectful. You know, and like, yeah. like you were saying, Paul, it's just sort of a it's a uh, it was a, the the um, it was the evidence of habits to come, right? And the direction that they were headed in. But then you look at David, you know, with the adultery and the murder and stuff like that. And yet here's a man after God's own heart, right. you know. But those had to do with those kind of passionate crimes that that we fall into. That in this case the father was merciful, even though there were there were definitely some coinc- I mean consequences to to what happened to him. Right. Um, he didn't get a Nadab and a Abihu.
2: It's a the, the juxtaposition between those two things. It's a good example of God God judges based on your our inner motivations. Right. He sees the our heart, hearts. the character. And uh, so the world we look at those two sins and we say David's sin is way worse. Right. And from a law standpoint by the way, pretty much inarguably, David's sin is right. way 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 worse. Right. Right. But but at the same time God knows David's heart and God also knew made have a heart. And if you look
0: at the heart of their sin, it was it was being disrespectful to him and not holding him right. as holy, which was you know also a pretty pretty huge violation. Right. Clearly,
2: the, the the incense or the strange fire is just kind of a stand-in for a general attitude of you know whatever whatever I want goes instead right. of what God has prescribed. Right.
0: You know what I've always found interesting about that whole thing is that you know the presence of God had come into to uh, what they were doing at that time. And then they did their little stick right. you know and it's sort of like God did the finale and then you're gonna come out and you know it's like it's like the opening band coming out after the who has finished their you know their <laughs> encore. It's like what are you doing out here? You know? nobody wants to see you So um it, it, it was it was blatantly disrespectful and they, they paid for it right
2: yeah.
0: All right, any other comments around those and then let's go ahead and finish off the chapter here so cool. I'll, I'll read. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith, if by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, and in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead.
1: Yeah, so seemingly another... um Kind of stop and then begin a whole new subject here with James, and I've heard I've heard people refer to James as the Proverbs of the New Testament before, mm-hmm. and whether that's what it is or not, you know, where where it just seems to go from subject to subject to subject with with some wisdom or thought about various things. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I always think it's funny that people say that because I feel like it's. I think it is the Proverbs of the New Testament, but I don't think for the reasons that everybody says. Mm-hmm. Like, people act like it's all disjointed. I think it, it, yeah. it yeah. has a linear yeah. progression. Mm-hmm. Would, it, it does take a lot of cues from Proverbs, though. I
1: think. Yeah, and I, <clears throat> I think in the later chapters, too, you probably see that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but here in Chapter 2, there maybe it would seem like there's a hard transition here. Um but but I, I still see the you know, the the previous text connected to this. Yeah. Um in a couple of ways. And there's a lot to unpack in the in the last half of this chapter here mm-hmm. um that we can deal with. And and frankly I don't know how how the people that, that believe in faith only or the once-saved-always-saved people. How, how do you get past James yeah. chapter 2, you how know? How can you do it? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Martin yeah. Luther
2: famously called James an epistle of straw and said it should be cut from the
1: Bible. Yeah. So, <laughs> right, well, that's one way, James I suppose. James yeah. James. <laughs> just cut it out. James 2 <laughs> is the reason for that. <laughs> right. yes. But, um, yeah, so so essentially, I mean, if I had to sum up what, what Sebastian just read in, in one sentence or one phrase, I would say, I would say you're talking the talk, but can you walk the walk, you right, know? Right. And, and that's what James is driving home here is, is that you can say you have faith all day. You can say you have love all day. You can even say you have mercy all day that we just talked about. But unless you're demonstrating it in, in some physical manifestation, mm-hmm. unless you're actively doing something to show that you you are in fact a faithful person or you are in fact a loving, caring human being or you are in fact – um, a merciful person that doesn't rush to judgment, right. then then he doesn't believe you. He's not buying it yeah. until he sees some sort of action on your part. Right. Um, and so I think that's the tie-in to to the last part of the chapter. You know, you can say, "Oh yeah, you know, I don't show partiality. I'm a merciful person. I'm not judgmental of those who might be going through something, a trial in their life, or or something rough, or look look a certain way, or uh, act act in a way that I don't." Necessarily like, Um, and you can say that until you're blue in the face, but are you actually demonstrating that? Is is the connection I make? Yeah. Um, But yeah, um, you you can't just you can't, and that's another thing too. Is is especially on Facebook and social media, I I see I see us as quick to to um, coming to the rescue with prayer. Where you know someone someone posts, I'm having a hard day, and yeah. everyone's immediately thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and yeah. prayers, and that's yeah, that's a good thing to do, yeah. I think probably yeah. right mm-hmm. to kind of show some support. But but yeah. number one, are you actually praying, or are you just saying it? Right. Are you are you just stating it? Because if yeah, you're that's not,
2: right. that's called a lie. Right. <laughs> yeah. I want to just emphasize. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Right. I think, but I think cooler. we do that all the time and don't think about it. And yeah. and maybe
1: we maybe kind of we'll pray. be merciful if you forget, yeah. right? But. Yeah. We're going to judge you if, if right. you say thoughts and prayers and then just don't go pray for that individual. but Or even think about them. <laughs> or, or even, and I know it says uh, the prayer of a righteous man avails, avails much. much. Is, avails yeah, avails I know it right. says that, but I, I can't just sit there and in my own conscience, sit yeah. there and pray for, uh, you know, sister so-and-so that um, has a bad back. They can't go get her groceries or, or mow her lawn or whatever it is that she needs done and 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 just sit there and say, Oh sister, I'm praying for you. Right. I'm praying right. for you. And maybe I am. It, but if I'm not doing something right. to help her physically, yeah. right. even if, if I have a busy schedule, I that's what James is talking about yeah, here. That's right. Go yeah. ahead, Paul. It, it
2: avails much, but it doesn't avail that
1: much. Right. right. It, right. It, it doesn't
2: it doesn't make a little old lady walk again. Right. Like, uh, I mean not not that that's outside of the realm of possibility for God, <laughs> right. obviously from a theological <laughs> standpoint, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but no, I, I mean, we we have to take action. That's what this uh, passage is all about. Mm-hmm. I, I like to talk about this, and it, it kills me that so much of the religious debate today hinges around this, like, faith versus works dichotomy mm-hmm. um, that, in a lot of ways, comes from people misunderstanding right. this verse and yeah. some other verses in right. Romans and Hebrews. and uh, So... I talk about this as being a, a one of those passages that I call a yes-but passage, mm-hmm. meaning that, like, you say, um, it, I have faith. Isn't that what saves me? And, I, and James and I, as the preacher, will say to you, yes, but mm-hmm. uh, that uh, biblical faith in the Old and New Testament, we always see um, objective good works being an outgrowth of that faith. A natural algorithm. yeah and then someone will come to you the other side of the coin is someone comes to you and says I'm doing all the right things I'm going to church every Sunday I give to charity um, I'm raising my family right I don't cheat on my wife I don't be my dog all that good stuff it, is that a good thing and I'm like yes but <laughs> right <laughs> why are you doing those things that's yeah, yeah. that's really the key yeah because you can do all the good things in the world that you want uh, if there's not uh, a belief or faith and trust in God underlying it, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't avail you anything. It might be good for the person you're helping <laughs> uh, in whatever capacity. right? But it, it, it doesn't, um, it, it's, it's not counted to you as righteousness as Abraham's good works were counted to him. The, the idea there when it says that, um, uh, James says in verse 22, you see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Or in other words, Abraham trusted in God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So the idea there is that Abraham Mm -hmm. was not, by strict strict definition, a righteous man, Mm -hmm. in the sense that he was a perfect, sinless person, because no one is. And in fact, Abraham commits sins on a number of occasions uh, in the Genesis narrative. Um, But... He trusted God. He walked with God. And for God, that is as good as if he were perfect,
0: right? Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, um, that, so that that's how faith and works work together, right, is mm-hmm. that our faith calls us to be better than what we are initially, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, our faith also tells us that if we get better, that's, one, not good enough to save us and not good enough to stop, right? We have to keep progressing.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, good. You know, um, it's interesting because because we do tell people you know you'll, you can't be saved by your works, and that's where where a lot of our right. argument comes from is that well we can't do anything to save ourselves, and right. so and they say that that's what we're saying right. is that you have to do these works in order to save yourself. But um, classifying but
2: these, baptism as a work is a whole other right, discussion. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> but the thing the thing of it is that they will agree with us though that you have to have faith in order to be saved. Right. But these verses tell us that you have to, if you, ha- if you have faith, then you will do these works. And that's right. the whole thing, is that if you aren't doing those works, then you don't have faith. Right. And, and so you can't be saved. And so you, right. if you have faith, then you're going to do these works, and then you're going to be saved. And I think the, the works are a byproduct of having the faith. But what some in the religious world will tell us, that, that you can have faith without works, but these, that's not what these verses say. Right. They say that your 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 faith is going to be active. It's going to make you do things. It'll it'll cause you to do certain things that um, that you wouldn't otherwise do.
1: Yeah. So um, picking up off of that, mm-hmm. and and even going back to to uh, Paul talking about faith and works being a dichotomy, it's a it's a false dichotomy um, in the sense that one cannot exist without the other. And I like the fact that you you brought. You brought the other side of the coin to light in talking about, you know, you can't just have works without faith. You can't, you can't be a good-hearted atheist and, <laughs> and you know, just, you know, do things for people and go out of your way to be helpful without faith in, in God um, and trust and belief in Him. But, but definitely, from what James is saying here, you absolutely cannot have faith without works. That, that mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just well, can't exist. And I think right. some
2: Christians too fall into the mindset of I'm at church every Sunday, check that off. They, they, mm, I, yeah. It seems like some Christians have a list of things that they've got in their head that they're checking off their spiritual to-do right. list every week. Yeah,
0: Kind uh, of a spiritual minimum. Right. Done these with, things on not bed. that there's
2: anything wrong with being spiritually organized, I guess you could right. say in right. that way. Right. But it's it's more like a list of obligations, which yeah. they feel like, I've fulfilled this, I've got my heaven points for the week, you yeah. know. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no, that's that that's actually the, the exact wrong idea of, of works. Because it, right. it is actually possible to do the right thing for the wrong reasons. Sure, mm-hmm. it's also mm-hmm. totally possible, and we see this from this verse, to believe the right things and have it not be of any benefit to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. So. Yeah,
0: and you know, uh, going back to so sort of the atheist good works, um, because there are some people out there who you might call a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who doesn't believe in God, but they they're very nice. They help other people. they... They're, they're generous, you know, all these types of things. But that's according to their own standard, which has no power to save. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference there. Um, if we're, if we're, uh, we're going to have the faith that's going to save, that's going to be according to God's standard because God has paid the price that is able to. And so it's got to be according to His standard. And there's the difference between someone who's just a good person and someone who's good by God's standard.
1: Uh, man, that's a whole another discussion that I'd love. I'd love for us to talk about sometime. Just the the concept of that atheists have of morality and and mm. um, how they can even subscribe to a definition of morality based on their unbelief. Right. It, it's uh, anyway. I, I feel like I could go on for. That's a whole another. That's well, a whole well, discussion another discussion for another a whole
0: another time. Well, let's right. jot that down and we, in a future date, the saints at the roundtable will discuss that issue.
1: That'd be yeah. That'd be great. Um, I can't. I can't walk out of this without at least uh, mentioning uh, verse nineteen. Uh, giving a shout out to verse nineteen It's one of my favorites um, in, in the New Testament. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. It. And I love to just smack. Well, smack is not the right word, but I love to. I love to throw this verse at uh, at people that. Are John three sixteen Christians, right? I believe in Jesus. I called <laughs> right. on His name. Yeah, right. He's saving me. That's all I have to do. I'm good. I'm covered That's by right. grace. Yeah. Wait a second. Wait a <laughs> the demons are doing the exact same thing, That's and right. we know where they're headed. We're yeah. <laughs> yeah. They
0: know who he is. That's
1: right. They they acknowledge <laughs> him. We see multiple times in the scriptures where yeah. where they acknowledge him as the Messiah as. Yeah. Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, you know, right. um, and and they even bargain with him in certain situations, yeah. and um, yeah, and so yeah. it's like you can't that that's that's, that's touching the hem of the garment. That's yeah. that's yeah. Uh, right, not anywhere close to where you need to be. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, and I I wanted to before we close down here to touch a little bit on the bit at the very end of chapter two about Rahab. Uh, which I think is significant, mm. Rahab being in the line of or the lineage of Christ. Um, and I, I, I need to at some point do a, a, a sermon on Rahab because I, I have a lot of thoughts about it. And it, you know, if you if you preach for very long, you accumulate a list in your head of like sermons that yeah. I'm gonna do at some point. Right. Um, So after the, you know, half dozen or so that I have to work on before that, uh, I'll probably do at some point a sermon about Rahab. But um, I I like this idea here in verse 25. In the same way, was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. So the idea there is, wait, you you think, wait a minute. Rahab, whose profession was, she was a prostitute. Mm she was justified by good works. Right. Right. To say that another way, a prostitute did enough good works or a particular good work of enough significance that it balanced out everything else she'd ever done, (laughs) basically, is what this verse said. Mm. Uh, And... Uh, So in this one act, sort of, uh, Rahab redeems herself, and not just herself, but her family, which is important Mm -hmm, because the lineage of Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he he makes the spiritual parallel there uh, in verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so faith apart from works Mm -hmm. is dead. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea is um, the body, spirit, faith works. So... um, the, the, the body correlates with faith in that it's kind of the vehicle, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't do, uh, you can't uh, have a spirit, it, at least, well, we we'll get into some deep theological waters here, but <laughs> human mm-hmm. beings can't conceptualize a spirit without a body, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we always think of uh, the essence of someone being tied to their physical form. Right. So, but, but the physical form is not all that they are, and especially mm-hmm. those of us that are believing Christians right. acknowledge this, right? Yeah. You are not, exclude, you are your body, but your body is not all that you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's the idea, the same way is that, the, the same idea here is that uh, works proceed from faith, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, the faith kind of does come first, but if your faith doesn't lead you to works, uh, if your uh, if your lifetime in this body doesn't lead you to an understanding of spiritual things, mm-hmm. uh, then your life here is futile. In right. the same way, if you have this faith but it doesn't ever lead you to do anything, uh, mm-hmm. it's not the right kind of faith. No. Not. No.
0: Right, because. It uh, a, a faith should, should be a working faith. If we believe in something, especially if we're instructed to do something by what we believe, then mm-hmm. we should do that thing that we're instructed yeah, to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, brothers. Well, um, that'll conclude our talk for tonight. And uh, the next uh, episode, we'll look at chapter three.
1: Sounds good. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Sebastian. All right.
0: Thank you for listening. For more about us, Check us out at truthseekers.org. There you'll find our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.